Diversity Podcast. This is episode four of our series of Puzzles About God, and we are continuing to look at some of the attributes of God. And while we addressed uh, in episode two the question of God, can God create a rock so big that God himself cannot lift it, today we're going to ask another question about what God can and can't do. But instead of asking about lifting heavy objects or doing logical impossibilities, we're going to be asking about God's moral character. Are there things God can or can't do because they're bad things to do or evil things? So, Patrick, can God sin? Ooh, good question, Austin. I like the way that you introduced that. Yeah, so first we were talking about is God like super swole or is he good at making rocks? And now we're talking about moral perfection. Can God sin? Well, it seems like the obvious answer is no, right? God is perfectly good. Of course God can't sin. Uh, and we do believe that. But here's the rub. If God can't sin, then it seems like there are lots of things that God can't do. Uh, so, you know, think about any of the number of sins that you've done in your life. Uh, there, those are things that God... Today. Yeah, today, before before you got left your house. Uh, you know, there, yeah, we've, we've all done things in our hearts and with our actions and with our words that God can't do given his moral perfection is, is how it seems. So actually we left something out of our discussion of God's omnipotence. It seems like God's moral perfection limits what God is able to do in a really uh, serious way that might seem to threaten God's power or his omnipotence. Um, but an omnipotent being isn't supposed to be limited. So, okay, what gives? It seems like maybe God could be omnipotent or God could be morally perfect, but it might not be the case that God could be both. And that's not great because we, you know, traditionally have thought that God had both of those features as a perfect being. So when we talk about God being perfectly good, and therefore not being able to sin. Um, what are we meaning by good? Right? What, what, how are we defining what it means for God to be good at all? Um, and if sin is sort of the opposite of that or something other than that, how are we defining then what sin is in relation to God? Yeah, um, I, I, that seems like a good question. And one reason it seems like a good question is because it seems like a lot of people, at least in the evangelical world, are tempted by a view which says that um, what's sinful is just whatever goes against God's will, but then whatever God wills is fine. So it's like not possible. No matter what God does, God isn't sinning. It's like not possible for God to sin. Um, I mean, is that the right way to think about God's moral perfection? Yeah, good good question. So that's uh, that would make this question pretty trivial to answer, right? Could God sin? No, because how we define sin or moral evil would just be in terms of what God does or wills. And then whatever God does or wills would be uh, would be morally good. And whatever God wills not to do or wills that people do, do not do would be sinful. Uh, and so it would be impossible for God to sin. Now, I don't want to get too into the weeds about whether we should embrace that view of sin. Um, there, there 
is a sort of rich philosophical and theological tradition of debating the relationship of God to morality. It goes all the way back to Plato with his dialogue, The Euthyphro, where Plato has this guy Euthyphro and Socrates debating this kind of concept together. And uh, their way of putting it is something like, is, uh, are the gods, what is, what is their way of putting the question, are the gods pious because... Do the gods love the pious right. because it is pious, or, or is, it, is pious it pious because, because the gods, gods love it? it. Yeah. yeah. So, this, right. yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, and of course the question gets changed a little bit throughout the centuries as, uh, as the people debating it move away from a Greek pantheistic conception of deity into a Judeo-Christian conception. Um, but the, the question remains essentially the same, which is, is what's good good because god loves it or does god love it because it's good mm-hmm. and uh it's a hard question obviously and if and the divine command theorist resolves it just by saying no it's good because god loves it so if, if something is good because god wills it then that seems to make it arbitrary uh-huh. right so god it just happens that we believe that god is against child sacrifice but it could be, and it's totally possible, and maybe there are other possible worlds where God wills otherwise. God wills that we should do child sacrifice, and then that becomes a good thing. Yeah. And now it's good to have child sacrifice. Um, it's no longer evil, it's now good. So that seems a problem. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that seems like bad. That seems bad. But the alternative is if, if we have this moral structure of goods and evils that exists apart from God or separately from God by which we use to measure whether what God is doing is good or evil. We have this moral system or structure that exists independently of God. Yeah. So it it begins to make God seem like there's a law that's over him and that somehow threatens his authority or his perfection or something like that. Um, Okay. So, I'm going to set this question aside. I think we could probably all see how it's related to the, importantly, to what we're talking about. But I think here's a way we can probably sort of reframe things uh, without having to get, to, to just keep talking about the Euthyphro dilemma. So there are certain kinds of actions that we can imagine God doing and and we can just ask, could, is it possible for God to do something like that? Uh, and there, there are actions that we would think of as being evil. So for any of us, if we were to torture somebody for fun, we would think that's a horrendously evil thing to do. Now, would it be possible for God to torture somebody for, for fun? Or say to, like, cancel his plan for atonement and instead to just torture the human race for fun for the rest of eternity. Uh, okay, that would be a, a seemingly a horrific, horrendous evil. Now, if certain theories of, you know, thir- certain answers to the Euthyphro dilemma might say, oh, it wouldn't be an evil, but all we, all we have to do is just say, is it possible for God to do something like that? And now we can move forward and, and say either yes or no and, and why. So maybe here's a, a quick way to reframe the question simply. Think about the kinds of, of actions that I was just talking about. Let's call those 
great atrocities. And we can reframe the question as just saying, is it possible for God to commit great atrocities? Yeah, so that's kind of following Ryan Byerly. Yeah, actually, yeah. Ryan Byerly talks about, uh, frames the question very soon. So how do we think about God's omnipotence in a way that would both hold up God uh, being omnipotent, but rule out the possibility that God could commit these great atrocities? Yeah, good question. So that would be one way to solve the puzzle is to pick one of those analyses or definitions of omnipotence that we looked at uh, in episode two, and that would still rule out the possibility of God committing great atrocities. Okay, so there's one particular account of omnipotence that we looked at that I think would do this, that it would rule out the possibility of God uh, committing great atrocities. And it's the account of omnipotence that said that uh, an omnipotent being is one that can bring about any logically possible situation. So... Uh, now, combined with that idea, the idea that God is necessarily or essentially morally perfect, that is that God is morally perfect, but not only just is God actually morally perfect, or God just happens to be morally perfect, but that God is morally perfect no matter what, or morally perfect in every situation. Um, now, an essentially morally perfect being bringing about an, a gratuitously evil situation is impossible. So it doesn't count against God's omnipotence if God can't bring about this situation, namely the situation where an essentially morally perfect being causes a gratuitous evil, uh, like, like a great atrocity. So, so it'd be the same kind of logical possibility as God making a square circle, because it would be inconsistent for someone who is perfectly good to do such a thing, and therefore it's not a possibility God could bring about. That would be the thought. And this kind of uh, this kind of analysis of omnipotence said the same thing about the stone paradox, if you recall. They said that it's an impossible situation for an essentially omnipotent being to become not omnipotent, which is what would happen for an essentially omnipotent being to make a stone so big that they couldn't lift it. Uh, so they said, well, an essentially omnipotent being doesn't, uh, can't bring about impossible situations. That's like part of the definition. So it's no limit on God's power that, that, that God can't uh, bring about this situation by making a stone so big that he can't lift it. So he can't do it, but no worry. It's not any, uh, that doesn't impugn his omnipotence at all. And that's the same kind of thought right here. It's an impossible situation for an essentially morally perfect being to commit a great atrocity. Uh, but, oh, an omnipotent being only is able to bring up about all the possible situations. So it's no limit on God's power that God can't bring about this situation by committing some great atrocity. So that's one way of thinking about uh, the fit between God's moral perfection and God's omnipotence, but it requires this particular view of omnipotence. So are there other ways that we might try to respond to this puzzle? Sure. So, uh, you know, one way was to pick a particular 
uh, view of omnipotence that kind of limited what omnipotent beings can possibly do. Another view or another way of responding is instead of limiting what God is able to do, we can understand God's moral perfection in a different way. So it's not that God doesn't have the power to sin, it's that God is unwilling to sin, you might think. So um, take a different view of omnipotence. We've talked a fair amount about the, the view of omnipotence that God has all the powers. And on that view, God would have the power to commit great atrocities. God would be able to do it because God has all the powers. Uh, but being morally perfect, God would be unwilling to commit any great atrocities. And not only would be God, God be unwilling, God would be unwilling to become willing. Uh, and you could iterate that on forever. God would be unwilling to become willing to become willing to commit the great atrocities. God has this very stable uh, moral disposition that makes it so that God never commits any great atrocities in any possible situation that God is in. Even though God is able to do it, God never does it. So the view is that God has the power that would make it so that God can sin, but God's will is such that God will never possibly sin. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think a useful illustration of this view um, would go like this. Uh, Tom Morris, I think, has a, an illustration somewhat like this in one of his papers. But, like, imagine your best friend. And now imagine smashing their head flat with a baseball bat. Oh, man. Now, I, Are we getting into all these gruesome I, I illustrations? Mean, I just the topic. recoil from the very idea. I could never bring myself to do that. Well, what's going on there? What does it mean I could never bring myself to do that? Does it mean I don't, I'm not able to? Like I don't have the power to do that? Well, no, I do. I mean, I can lift a baseball bat and swing it pretty hard. But there, there's something else going on. It seems like something about my will. I'm just like... Like... Deeply unwilling to do that. I, I, I can't move my will in that way. Yeah, Ryan Barley's example is uh, of Martin Luther when he uh, turns in his, his 95 theses. And he says, here I stand, I can do no other. No other. And do, do we really think he means he literally is unable to not turn in the theses? Probably not. Like he had, he you know, he was capable physically of just like sitting on his laurels and not writing stuff and not posting him to the door. But there was something about his will that was such that he felt compelled, given what he was, you know, get given his convictions and whatnot, to go write the things and post them on the door. So kind of the. Uh, the counterpoint to the you, you given your will you could never do that thing given his will he had to do that thing mm. so it's possible it's possible for god to sin in the sense of god could do has the power to do the sorts of actions we would call sin right uh but it's not possible for god to sin in terms of god would never will such a thing to happen yeah Be you might put it like this God has the powers to sin, mm -hmm. but given certain features of God's will, it's not possible that God exercises those powers. I think we often make 
claims about what's possible or impossible relative to some uh, like contextual frame of reference and relative to the fact that God has all the powers it we we might be inclined to say it's possible for God to sin just thinking about God has the power to do any kind of action so it seems like it's possible for God to commit great atrocities relative to God to thinking about God's will and his state the stableness of it and the fact that God in no possible situation will choose to commit a great atrocity it's impossible for God to commit a great atrocity um, and sometimes we do when contextual features shift like that make seemingly contradictory kinds of uh, statements about possibility even mm-hmm. though they're not actually contradicting each other so we talked about how god is unwilling to sin and therefore in that sense it's impossible for god to sin um but you know as humans we will different things all the time our will changes over time um why why should we think just because god isn't doing something at this moment that would be considered a great atrocity that god will continue to will the same thing tomorrow uh, and a thousand years or a million years into the future, uh, as God has in the past. Good. Yeah, this is a really fun question. And I think, you know, a simple answer we can give is just because, like, the Bible says so. It says, you know, <laughs> God is the same uh, today, yesterday, and, you know, forever. Um, but it, it, this touches back on, on issues that we have looked at in the first four episodes of this series, Um, and maybe is, uh, it might be something that helps you choose between different kind of views that we looked at about God's relationship to time and, uh, whether, um, yeah, some other kind of uh, things that we've talked about. So it's true that human beings change in what they will over time, but one thing we do know about God is that God uh, is very stable in his will. So whether that's because God is atemporal and God is just timelessly willing the same thing uh, <laughs> atemporally and there's you know, there's no, no chance for change or because God is always eternally in time uh, just willing the same thing no matter what and God just doesn't change. Uh, it seems like what we know about God is that God's will is not uh, sort of subject to superficial whims like ours is. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you guys have other thoughts about how this relates to things we've already talked about? Yeah, so Keith Yandel has an interesting answer to this question. Yandel actually solves this problem in a slightly different way than either of the ways we've talked about. Yeah. So the two ways we've talked about were, on the one hand, you could deny that these God committing these atrocities is possible, and then say, if it's not possible, an omnipotent being doesn't have to do it. The second one we talked about was, you could say, God has the power to commit these atrocities, but God... Um, is has like so much control over God's will that God would never exercise those powers, would never will to exercise those mm-hmm. powers, right? But there's another view that says, well, actually, 
maybe it's possible not only for God to you know not only does God have the power to commit those atrocities maybe it's possible for God to will to commit those atrocities but just in fact God won't do that Yandel defends this kind of view he says that um, what can assure us that God isn't just going to have a sudden like change of will or change of mind is that if you've been morally perfect at any time and you're God you'd be able to make sure that no circumstances came along that, that tempted you out of being morally perfect. And so Yandel thinks that if you're morally perfect at any time, then it follows that you're going to be morally perfect at every time after that. Um, so that's an, another way of dealing with this So problem. it's sort of like a moral inertia kind of theory. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Once once you've got a good thing going and you're all-powerful and all-knowing, and then you can just kind of keep it going. Yeah. No, no reason why you would stop being perfect. Yeah. So that's, that's another way of doing it. Um, I guess that's another way of solving kind of both problems, the compatibility problem between moral perfection and omnipotence and also this further question about whether God's willing is stable. Or yeah, time. yeah. Why, why can we trust that God's will isn't going to, to flip on us? Mm-hmm. Well, because God's will is good. Because mm-hmm. I guess I take it... Yandel's story works even if you go with like the version of the view that says that it's not possible for God to exercise God's powers to do evil yeah. things, right? If you say God is God's, you know, unwillingness to do that is so like deeply ingrained that it's not even possible that God wills those things. Well, part of what that might consist in is God uh, being willing to make sure yeah. that at any time God will never be tempted out of being perfectly good. Yeah. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, I think that's a compelling story. Yeah, wh- whether you accept a more arbitrary uh, or contingent version of God's perfect moral perfection or a, uh, a more modally um, stable yeah, version. Yeah, a more stable version of it. Cool. Uh, and it does help answer that question of mm. why can we know that God will not start committing great atrocities all of a sudden because God is good. God is good all, all the, the time. time. Oh, we should totally get that. <laughs> God is good.